Zoom Room, this is a special weekly edition. We are talking Royal Ascot. Once again, I am Caitlin Free, joined as always by Andy Villanueva. And we have a special guest this week. He joins us sometimes, especially for big race meets, Andrew Champagne. Guys, this is so exciting. This is one of my favorite boutique meets, five days a week, um, middle of June. It doesn't get any better than this. The royal family, great horses, a great atmosphere. Of course, it's a little different this year. COVID's still lingering. Prince Philip has passed away, so the royal family, unfortunately, will not be doing the procession. We won't be guessing what color the queen wears, so it will lose a little bit of its pomp and circumstance, but the racing is still fantastic. Um, I'm excited to be on with you guys, excited to be talking about this. So we're going to just do a rundown once every evening about the previous or the next day's race is kind of going over the whole card for every day of the meet, just to kind of break it down a little bit for everybody. So guys, how are we feeling about it this year? It's, it's saucy. It's really saucy. I love it. I said, I sent you a text message. I'm like, it's a slobber knocker. And it starts <laughs> oh, with the yeah. first race. Yeah, this is a lot of fun to handicap out there. If just as a quick little PSA to anybody listening here, if you think these are the kind of races where you can look at a form for 60 seconds and come up with a winner, no, just no, don't even try. These fields are ginormous. And the good thing about that is you only need to be right once or twice in order to have a really, really good week. Because with a couple of exceptions, there aren't a lot in the way of short-priced favorites, and you're going to get very good horses at bettable prices because of these field sizes. You're also, of course, going to get some of the best horses from Europe, going against some American invaders. It's a lot of fun. Got to tell you, not as big on the whole pageantry and pomp and circumstance thing as a lot of other people are. You can miss me with a lot of the royal family stuff. You can miss me with the top hat and tails. Give me these 20 horse fields and five to one favorites. That's all I need. I'm easy. Well, wow. we can't... <laughs> I didn't realize that that's all it took you for you to be easy, but hey, let's hey, go. I'm, I am remarkably <laughs> low maintenance, Andy. <laughs> well, we kick things off this week with a big one. Queen Anne, the Queen Anne is race number one for Tuesday, tomorrow. Um, guys, where are you leaning in this race? We have two former winners in here, an accidental agent and Lord Glitters. Both are long prices. I believe that accidental agent is actually the longest price in the field coming from gate five. Lord Glitters is beside him in gate four. We have a under even money favorite two to five on the morning line in Palace Pier. You want to go first, Andrew, or do you want me to already kick it off with a stunner? Um, I'll tell you this then. If you, if you want to kick it off with a stunner, go ahead, because I'm going to be short and boring. Same. Um, I, yeah, you know, um, yeah, I'm going to, I mean, in my rundown, I said Palace Pier. Right? Um, I'll give you a horse to look at. Order of Australia. If he gets if he gets the similar trip that he got in the in the Breeders' Cup Mile, he's going to win this race, and he's going to go off at ten to one. And I'm going to be lined in my pockets, and it'll be fun because I just think this horse this horse has chased the monster in Golden Sixty last out, and I just think he's the last time that the last time Aiden O'Brien put on blinkers on this horse, he won the Breeders' Cup Mile. 
What's he doing tomorrow? He's putting the blinkers on. I'll I'll take a shot with Order of Australia. I'm wishing I'm... you the go ahead, Andrew. No, I'm going. I get where you're going, and I understand trying to extract some value in a situation where you have a horse that won the Breeders' Cup Mile two starts ago and is going to be a, a, a decent sized price. I, I applaud that. Man, the more I look at this race, the more I don't think Palace Pier loses. And I wish I could provide some sort of contrarian point of view, but this horse has been lights out in each of his two starts this year. He won by eight two starts ago. Last time out, won by a length and a half. Frankie DeTore riding for John Gosden. Those are connections that anybody who follows European racing at all whatsoever is familiar with. I just think this is a case where Palace Pier towers over the field, and I think it would take a remarkably particular set of circumstances in order for that one to get beat. But if he does, you're going to get paid. I'm in complete agreement with you. Um, good luck, Andy. I, that would be awesome. It's not out of the realm of possibility, but I am also going with Palace Pier. He's the number one rated horse in the world. I think he's the best horse in Europe, sans maybe Mishraf, who is on the shelf right now and won't be at Royal Ascot. Um, I'm going to take Palace Pier on top, but I'm going to play this race around my one of my all-time favorite milers in Lord Glitters. Um, I have done that the previous few years with him, and he has shown up the last three years in this race. So, I'm very excited to be playing these two in this race. I think if you take Palace Pier on top and take Lord Glitters in second, third, and fourth, you will get paid very, very well in this race. So I'm, I'm going to make a caveat to this because I will say I, I'm, I'm just going with Order of Australia with a price, right? Mm -hmm. I think Palace Pier by far is the best horse in the field. By no means am I saying he's not. I just think oh, no, that I if you're it. going to be looking, I, I think that if you get 10 to 1 or better, you have to take a shot at it. Also, accidental agent, if you go back and you look at his last race, he actually improved, and he actually had a breathing operation during the break to help him improve. But the problem is with him is if he decides he doesn't want to run, he just doesn't break, and he just sits in the stall. So I just think I, I agree with all – I agree with everything you say – Palace Pier is the best horse, but this is obviously one of the toughest fields he's facing in his career. If I'm not mistaken, I believe they left Accidental Agent in the gate last year during this race. Uh, yeah, he, he didn't break. I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, race two, the Coventry Stakes is the second race on the program for tomorrow. Uh Big field of two-year-olds. I think there's 17 in it, if I'm not mistaken. And, Caitlin, who do you like here and why? Whew. This is a juicy race. Um, there's some top horses in here. Debob, Gisburn, Macedo, the Acropolis is an interesting horse for Aiden O'Brien, um, Tolstoy, and Coffee Maker. Um Wesley Ward is very confident with Coffee Maker. I saw this filly um, break her maiden. Very, very, very exciting filly. She's wearing blinkers for the first time. I think she makes a ton of sense, but I'm going to go with another favorite in Bob. I like both of these horses. Um, John Gosden's really, really confident on this horse as well. So um, he's gone a little bit farther than Coffee Maker has. I think he wants a little bit more distance. 
So I think he's going to be able to stay the course maybe a little bit better and it has a little bit more experience. But honestly, I really, I think I'm going to go with the chalk again in these two in this race. It's a really good betting race, especially if you're not crazy about Coffee Maker. And I'm not. Coffee Maker was brilliant in her debut. Whatever the heck brilliant is, she was. Uh, the definition of brilliance in horse racing, of course, you can't really define it, but you know it when you see it. So, hey, let's build the entire breeding industry around it, right? Anyway, kidding aside on that, if Coffee Maker runs back to the debut on dirt, she maybe wins. I just can't take five to two on her in this spot. I think five to two or shorter on Coffee Maker just hits me as a bad bet. I'm going to go with the Acropolis on top. That's horse number 12 in the program. Took a big step forward last time out when breaking the maiden by a little more than three lengths. I like the fact that Ryan Moore comes back aboard for Aiden O'Brien. And if you're giving me Moore and O'Brien at six to one or somewhere near that, um, okay. I, I can't complain at all about that. This is a horse by a promising young sire in Churchill. I think there's a lot to like there. And if you're looking for a price, to potentially throw underneath. Let's take a look at number two, Berkshire Shadow, who did not have a great start first time out, still managed to rally to win. That's not an easy thing for first-time starters to do, let alone first-time starters going five, five-and-a-half furlongs like that one is. Ocean Murphy sees fit to ride back. 15-1 to one on that one. And if we get improvement from start one to start two, who's to say he can't be a factor at a pretty big price. If I was going to play a top three in here, I'd go 12 to 17, trying to get a little bit of a price home on top. I respect Coffee Maker. Perhaps Coffee Maker is just too good for these, but five to two, just a little too short. And I honestly think Wesley Ward has some bigger bullets in his gun for later on in the week. I'm in so agreement with you. Andrew, it's scary. Oh, God. <laughs> But I'm not big on coffee maker, and I'll tell and uh, a couple reasons why. One, every player in the U.S. is going to bet this horse because it's Wesley Ward. Yep, she's adding blinkers. You're likely if you get eight to five or better, you're probably eight to five or better. You probably know that the horse is alive in the state because this horse should be even money by the time the gates open. Problem with my biggest issue with coffee maker. Usually when Wesley Ward debuts two-year-old runners at the begin in April at the early part of Keeneland and then runs them at Ascot, they don't run as well as the ones that run in May and runs them at Ascot. Also, Jimmy Creed was a dirt runner. He wasn't a turf runner. I don't see this horse being a turf horse at all. I, th I think she's going to be better suited for dirt. Do I like her? I like her enough to put her in third, but I don't like her enough to win to place a bet on her to win. I actually like Ebro River here. He's a half brother to or he's a half brother to to uh, strong power who was very good at six furlongs. He's the highest rated horse on time form. And this is the spot he wants. He wants six furlongs. Doyle's up. He's gonna show improvement off his debut win. And I think he's going to be tough to beat. I also like the Acropolis, as you mentioned. He's he's a tough horse. And I'll give Tolstoy a look, too, because of the Torian Gosden. Um, I would be more on Dabob if Frankie was on this horse. 
but he's on the other Gosden horse, which makes me kind of wonder whether or not that horse might be a little better at this time. Just my I, my opinion. Yeah, I had the same thought too. I thought if you were going to play a Gosden, you play the one with Dettori on it. And Tolstoy to me hits me as an intriguing proposition moving forward, maybe going a little bit longer given the pedigree by Kingman out of a Frankel mare, that horse could potentially be one heck of a miler moving forward. Yeah, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna question the queen and I will bow down to the crown. <laughs> the crown. <laughs> moving on to our next race. Next race is going to be the famed sprint race, the grade one King's Stand. We have one of our only American runners that is not a Wesley Ward, actually the only one. Um, we have Extravagant Kid, who won the Algaz Sprint last out um, in Maidon. Actually, kind of beat a very weak field there. I think he's going to face a much tougher field here. We have Maven Oxted, Acklam Express, who is third to him um, as a three-year-old in that Algaz Sprint. And, of course, we have the best sprinter in the world, last year's winner, Batash. Where are we going, guys? I'll go first. Okay. Absolutely love Batash. Only two losses were to Blue Point and to Glass Slippers. That's it. And he's coming off of a small fracture, sur uh, small surgery to repair a small fracture in a joint. Um, they reported that back in April, and it happened during the winter. And I'm sure that if COVID didn't derail his plans, he probably would have won the Al Piazza last year. Because they were probably they were pointing for him. Um, there's no other horse in this race that even matches his ability. Even if he's like 75%, I think he wins this one for fun. Absolutely. I completely agree. I really, really hope that they um, try to do the double with him. I hope they try to wheel him back in three days to take the Diamond Jubilee. Because I think he is that good. And I think even at 70%, he can win both races impressively. Yeah, I agree. Completely agree. This is going to be a, a pretty boring excerpt here because we're in agreement on Batash. If Batash is right, he jogs. If he's 80%, he still probably wins. I'm going to throw a little bit of a price out there underneath. And by a little bit of a price, I mean the 15 to 1 on the morning line seems a little short, and I think he's going to drift up. I think it's very curious that you better believe it. Horse number 15 is a three-year-old going up against older horses in a group one race after being last of eight, beaten 15 and a half lengths in his return off a long layoff last time out. Now, I think you can draw a line straight through that race. He just did not fire at all whatsoever. This is a horse that put forth a pretty big rally in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint last year to be third beaten less than two lengths by a very good horse in Golden Pal. And I think there is a chance that they go very, very fast early and maybe set things up for this one to clunk up for second or third at a bit of a price. But I completely agree with you guys. If Batash is right, he wins. That was easy. Yeah. You do that like with all of them? You'd think, <laughs> right? Makes it real easy. And, you know, who knows? Maybe you do only need like 60 seconds with the form. Oh, wait. These next couple of races are almost impossible. I don't know. The St. James's Palace Stakes is next. Um, 
super hard race here. We have a lot of horses that are around eight to one, five to one, 10 to one that all kind of have a shot battleground, Chendent, Highland Avenue, Lucky Vega, Mostadoff, Poetic Flair, Thunder Moon. You can even throw Wembley in there for Aiden O'Brien. Um, Andrew, who are you going to go with in this race? Oh, yeah, give it to Andrew first. Give yeah. Andrew that, first. Appreciate that. Um, which Aiden O'Brien is going to fire? Take your pick. It's like a shell game, right? Well, I'm not going to go in that direction. I'm going to go with Mostadop, horse number eight in your program, and I really hope I'm saying that correctly, because this horse has done absolutely nothing wrong. He's three for three, and if you look at his time form ratings, goes from an 89 to a 95 up to a 110. The question is, was that 110 rating aided a little bit by the softer going? Chances are it's going to be on the firmer side on Tuesday, so make sure you're aware of that. But if this horse keeps improving in start number four, I think he has a big, big shot. I will also throw out a little bit of a price in the form of number 12, Thunder Moon. The 2000 Guineas was his first race since October. Just draw a line through it and move on. That horse clearly needed the race. Big rider switch to Frankie DeTore. And this is a horse that showed a lot of talent last year as a two-year-old. Won a group one race in just his second career start with a 104 time form rating. If you're looking for a value play, I think that's the one because that horse is just going to be too big of a price based off of the last out clunker. So for me, though, I'll probably be using eight with a little bit of 12. I'm in agreement with you. I'm, I really do like Thunder Moon in here at a price, but I'm going to go um, a little bit in a different direction. A horse that was second behind most it off last out. I'm going to go with Highland Avenue. He's been training really, really well. I've liked how he's looked over the gallops for Charlie Appleby. Um, Charlie Appleby's barn is very, very hot right now. Um, the horse has won three times a season. It seems to just keep getting better and better. The Dolphins really confident in this horse and want to take him to some of the remaining classics left in Europe. So I'm, I think I'm going to lean in this direction. I disagree with both of you. Okay, here we go. Now we're getting interesting. Let's go. <laughs> I'm, and I'm just going to say one thing: draw a line through that ra- draw a line through the guineas for battleground. Just re- erase it, remove it, forget about it. Just don't even bother with it, because he does not want to run on that surface. That type of surface was not his surface. He doesn't want that surface. He wants a good surface. He's going to get it tomorrow, and I think this horse is going to run huge. I love this horse. I also like Highland Avenue, but I think this horse is going to run huge tomorrow. I just, I, there's, there's just way too much goodness to this horse. And if I get six, seven to one, I'm running to the windows. I, I was honestly kind of thinking the same thing. I gave Highland Avenue the edge and then had Thunder Moon as my prize. I, I certainly like that he gets better ground tomorrow. And I also threw out the 2000 guineas for him. I think he's a promising horse, but I'm not sure he is good enough to be this group right now. Wow. I respect your opinion. <laughs> and I respect yours. <laughs> and I respect both of yours. You know, one horse, one horse that you guys really should look at also, and Caitlin mentioned, uh, Lucky Vega. Lucky Vega is also going to get the same type of, basically the, the Karag, the race he was ran in, 
he did not like that surface and he still ran fourth. And he's gonna get he's gonna get a similar setup as far as turf turf conditions and everything. So he, he's definitely another one of those horses you can look at and, and be very happy with if if you like his price. All right. All right. Next race. Ascot stakes for two-year-old males going three furlongs and 210 yards. That is the shortest race on the card tomorrow. They're flying up the strip, and that's all they're doing. Um, This was a tough race for me. I think this is a tough race, period. Kind of took a stab in the dark here. I did go with one of the favorites. Hold on. The Ascot stakes. Yeah, I I don't have that either. Huh? It's a handicap. Oh, there uh, it is. Like, I see it now. I'm looking it's at the two and a half miles. Oh. Two and a half miles. Two and a half miles, three. For, okay, well, sorry. Yep. All I right. Thought that's Got it. For two year old males. It's a class two for four year old plus. All right. Sorry. No, no, Anyways. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Uh oh. I went with the John Gosden horse. <laughs> okay, why did you go with the John Gosden horse? Because it's John Gosden, Frankie Detori, and this race was impossible to handicap. <laughs> horse, <laughs> horse ran decent last out. He was a favorite, finished fourth out of seven. A star above is a decent horse. Um, he wasn't beaten that much, and he's stepping up in trip. I think he, the trip's going to be a little bit better. So that's that's where I landed. So, so you know, you know what makes this so impressively done um i actually was looking at that philly or that whole i was gonna say it's a philly isn't it it's it's a gal it's a gelding i i called him whatever close though though. it's a gelding um yeah it's a horse um do you know who do you know who the dam's full sister is let me hold the phone and this is why i'm actually leaning towards this horse too Go ahead, Andrew, talk while she's looking at Okay. Um, of course, she has two famous sisters. Yep. Two. Go ahead, Andrew, and then she'll say. No, I, I, I got nothing. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm a spectator here. This, I, it, this went off the rails when I heard, wait, three furlongs and what? This <laughs> two and a half miles. And I'm still trying to sort my notes out and stuff. Hey, Caitlin, you go ahead. <laughs> this is out of a full sister to Magic Wand and a three-quarter sister to Chiquita. Yeah, that, yes. that, that'll do. That'll do. Yeah. yeah. Cool more, Brad. Hey, cool I'll give you melting out of golden I'll horn. Give, yep. I'll give you I'll give you a horse to look at other than that one, because I think that one's gonna be tough to beat. Uh Cure de Leon or Lion. Uh won the Ascot Stakes last year. Uh has run well. Um, over this distance, and he's gonna—he doesn't care what the surface is. I think he's just gonna be tough to beat. I think he's gonna run well too. Interesting. I like it. Andrew, what do you got? I got a price. Um, okay. So this race is impossible, right? We, that we we've established that. Okay. So if the race is impossible, well, depending on who you ask, because some people can actually just. Like, look at a form and decide that within 12 minutes they can handicap the whole card. 
Okay. Well, we're assuming we're dealing with rational people here. So we're, we're, <laughs> we're giving our audience a little bit of credit. So why not take a shot with a horse that has several races from last year going second off the bench that if that horse repeats those races is absolutely good enough to win this and is 30 to one on the morning line. I'm referring to horse number five in the program, solo saxophone. I'm drawing a line through the April 16th race, uh, ninth of 14 that day lost to a couple of common rivals, but I'm looking at a couple of races from the previous year. I see a horse that ran third over this Ascot surface. I'm seeing a horse that has no problem with this distance, has one going two miles in the past. I'm seeing a horse that I think will improve considerably second off the bench beneath a rider that has won over this horse before. And you're getting that value at 30 to one. I think you can take a shot with this one and be at the very least confident in the fact that if this horse replicates the form we saw late last year, he's got a shot at 30 to one going more than two miles. A shot's all I need in order to take a wager, because this is, this race is a mess from a handicapping standpoint. And if you can take something with conviction, the equivalent of a pick four single, by all means go right ahead. I don't have that. I'm taking a shot with a horse that, if it can capture the form from last year, has a bigger chance than the odds board will indicate. I like okay. it. And, I like that. And, and just an FYI for those that uh, are listening to the podcast and are le- and have been sold on Andrew, I'll give you a little bit more to wet your whistle when it comes to the solo saxophone, has had a breathing operation. So it's worth a look. And you know one thing the one thing that completely threw me on this race, there were a lot of horse horses at this race that were hurdlers. Hurdlers. Yep. So saw the same um, thing. Yeah. So uh, really difficult. Let's move on because I'm afraid of Caitlin. Uh, <laughs> so let's go. Um, can I lead off this one? Because this is my price play of the day in here. All righty. So we're going to be doing a mile and one-eighth uh, Wolferton Stakes. It's a list of stakes for four-year-olds and up. And uh, go ahead, Andrew. All righty. So we're going to go with an instrumental cold double because we like solo saxophone in race number five. I love Father of Jazz in race number six. That's horse eight in the program. First time gelding off of a race that if you – cross uh, cross out just draw a line through it ignore that march 27th race what odds is this horse eight to one ten to one maybe this is a horse that was competitive two starts back beaten just a length and three quarters after being up a little bit close to the pace that day over a synthetic surface this is a horse that was going very well earlier this year safe to assume something went wrong last time out especially since we haven't seen him in about three months. That first time gelding angle, it jumps off the page at me. We have seen that this horse can run, and I see 15 to 1 on a horse that, if that horse just hadn't run last time out, probably would be about half that price in here. Give me Father of Jazz anywhere close to that kind of price, and I will be very, very happy.
My turn. All right, Caitlin, your turn. <laughs> All right. Well, I ended up going with Blue Cup in this race. Um, I really like the way William Buick's been riding. Um, this horse is run one from good to firm to heavy. This horse can run on any surface. He won on a softer course last out, but he's going to be okay on a more firm course. Um, he beat Victory Chime, who's also in this race. So I just, I kind of like this horse, you know. Um, I think he's going to get a really decent setup, and I think the price won't be too bad either. I, I like Blue Cup. I, I agree with you on that. I'll give you another price horse here um, to go along with Andrews. Volcanic Sky um, okay. won the Not Alceva Trophy at Maydan uh, earlier in the year. I'm willing to draw a line through the Dubai Gold Cup. I just, for whatever reason, he just wasn't right that day. He he looked kind of uh, he looked kind of like he just wasn't in the mood to run that day. So I'm willing to forgive him because he runs. He's pretty he's pretty honest horse. You know you're going to get a horse that's going to be near the front, and uh, with with Cosgrave, you know you're going to be able to kind of massage him in the front as well to get him to, to kind of relax. So I'm okay with him doing that. And, you know, if he if he's able to get some heart, he's going to end up being a horse that's going to be near the front. Uh, the other horse I like in here is Juan Elcano. Breathing operations since his last race. I'm, I am so into first-time breathing operations at – Royal Ascot. I think it's. I think it is a huge, huge handicapping angle that you can make money on. I. It's just something that I've noticed. He was fifth in the 2000 Guineas at Newmarket in 2020. Uh, he was behind Kamiko that day. I think he's going to be tough here too. But um, my money is probably going to go on Volcanic Sky. Okay. Well, we have one race remaining on the card, and that is the Copper Horse Stakes, which is a handicap, four-year-old plus, a mile and six furlongs. Um, another really tough race, Salder, is going to be your favorite in here, kind of a heavy morning line favorite. Throne Hall is another really nice price with Global Storm and Arthurian Fable. Guys, where are you leaning toward in this race? I have a dartboard. I'm just going to throw it. I'm just going <laughs> to throw my dart at it and hope I hit something because in all honesty, this race is really, really tough. Um, mm -hmm. I'm actually going to, but in all seriousness, I'm actually going to lean toward Brilliant Light. Okay. Um, O'Shawn Murphy, Godolphin, Syed Ben Soror. Uh, if you go back and you look at that race at Dubai, the Dubai City of Gold, he finished, he finished pretty well in that race, uh, fourth, uh, nobody was going to beat Walton street that day. Nobody was going to be Dubai feature that day. Uh, so, I mean, you know, if you just take those two, he only loses by one and a quarter lengths, uh, to the winner, to the third place finisher. And then he finishes third to volcanic sky. Two starts back. So I don't like horses coming from Dubai and running at, at Royal Ascot. I think they have more fitness than some of the other horses and, you know, it's the footing suits them there. So I, I really like Brilliant Light. You know what I'm going to do? Uh -oh. I'm going to do something very dangerous. I'm going to poke at the sleeping lion. See what I did there? <laughs> uh, 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 
I'm witty, damn it. Anyway, Sleeping Lion came off of a very long layoff last time out, going two miles. I repeat, long layoff, two miles. Where are your expectations there? My guess is they're low. Well, all he did was win by a neck in a career best time form rating of 105. I think Sleeping Lion may well be sitting on a big race over a turf course he has shown that he likes. Never worse than third in three starts over the Ascot turf course. And we know that this distance will not get him beat. This is a horse that has wins at two miles, ran very well going this two mi- going a two-mile route at Ascot last August when he was third against probably a better group. And if you go back all the way to 2019, admittedly, it's a bit of a long way, but you see a horse that won a uh, race over at Doncaster going a mile and 13 sixteenths with a time form rating of 100. So, you know, that's not a fluke. I think Sleeping Lion has a big time shot in here, and I'm hoping we get double digit odds on that one. Very nice. I, you know, I kind of feel it. I like it. I'm going to go with Global Storm in this this spot. Another Godolphin, Charlie Appleby, William Buick. Of course, um, horse one last out. He's one from good to heavy, so I don't think it really matters um, for this horse. So, you know, it, it's kind of just a stab in the dark for me, but I'm going to go with it. This is a tough race. This is probably the it's toughest race of the day. and three quarters. We're all stabbing in some way, shape, or form. Exactly. I mean, I mean, the one thing is, is that they're going to have enough time to get the trip, right? So, yeah. Um, it's whether or not it's whether or not you're gonna you're gonna have the proper trip, right? So, at a mile and three quarters, a lot of things can happen that wouldn't happen at a mile. And I, I'm totally in agreement with you guys. I, I mean, anybody could win that last race, and you know, I think I think one of the things that people need to understand about Royal Ascot is, um, you know, don't bet, don't bet every race and bet the races you're comfortable betting and make some money off of it. And whatever you do, do not say you're quitting gambling after one bad day because we all know you're not. <laughs> well, before we wrap up, gentlemen, Andrew, do you have any more plays that you're looking forward to this week at Royal Ascot? Sure. So I looked at Tuesday and I looked at Wednesday. They're talking about pretty heavy rains on Thursday and also past performances for beyond Wednesday weren't out there when I looked. So on Wednesday, I've got a couple of spot plays in here. We'll take a look at race number three. That's the Duke of Cambridge. I like number 11 parents prayer in that one a fair bit broke through to win a group three last time out and seems like a much improved horse at age four double digit odds on an improving horse. I like that a lot doesn't even necessarily need to move forward too much off of that last out effort to be a major player. I like that one. And in race number seven, the Kensington place, I think number one lights on is much the best in that field. Five to one on the morning line, anything close to that price hits me as a pretty big overlay. And look, that's the other thing. If you've got a very strong opinion on a horse and you're getting that kind of a price, don't question it. It's a case where you're getting that price because there are so many horses in the field and the money's going so many different ways. 
You're not crazy. Bet your strongest opinion. You only need to be right once or twice if you're disciplined in order to have a very good week. It's a fun week of racing overseas. Definitely worth getting up bright and early for. I may very well wind up doing that. But the important thing, whatever you like, get involved. Very well said. Mic drop there. Um, Once again, you're in the GOAT Zoom room. Join us tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day for more Royal Ascot plays.